Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And welcome to episode 315 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... Daryl, how are you doing? Hello, everyone. I'm doing great. Good. Nice to have you back on again. What have you been up to the last few weeks? For the last few weeks, I have been concentrating on a select few shows in an effort to finish them off. <laughs> so I've been checking out more of Lucifer's final season on Netflix. Yeah. I think I've seen five or six episodes. Just get to see how everything finishes. I have many thoughts about that. <laughs> I've seen the whole thing now. So I will be interested to know what you think about the end of it. What are your thoughts so far? The next episode, I think, is The Wedding. Right. So this is just before The Wedding. The first two episodes made me very concerned about the rest of the show. But things stepped up a bit. Both worlds think it seems very rushed. And it seems to be a lot of storylines. And it seems to suffer on the sensible stuff. This is outside of any sort of spoilers in the show, but there's this thing where a young woman runs away from home. Mm-hmm. Now, albeit, I think she is an adult, but she runs, she runs away from home yeah. to find her father. The father wasn't aware of her existence. She finds her dad, and she decides to move in, and, and her father allows her, and they sort of, you know, get to know each other. And yes. that's been something like two years. In those two years, that father never bothered to call her mother to reassure her that her her child wasn't dead. And I just looked down and thought, I'm sorry, no, that makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> that just, no, I'm sorry. That basically just shows that the kid and the father, the psychopath, just let their mother suffer <laughs> for all those years. It just seems a bizarre bit of writing that just did need to be there. And it was just so heinous. It sort of just, it distracted from the storyline that they were actually trying to go through involving our main characters. And there were more things that pop up like that throughout the first few episodes. And that's what sort of had me concerned. Yeah, there were a few things I had issues with in the final season. I didn't quite agree with the way they ended it. I think everybody ended in the right place, but I didn't quite agree with how they got there. I think by the end of it, all the characters are in the place that makes the most sense. But I I just didn't quite agree with all the decisions they took to get to that point, if that makes sense. Yeah, I just felt like they sort of decided that 
that they were going to finish things off with that one final season. And it sort of had a little bit more than what they could cram into that. And I guess added on with the whole COVID really speeding things up. And I think you can start to see where the strain starts to tell on the story. Right. Yeah. Which is a shame, really. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad we got the sort of final season. But yes, I mean, it wasn't perfect, that final season. I was happy enough where they ended it with everybody but like I say, the the plot through to and the devices they use to to sort of get there, I wasn't completely convinced by that because yeah. there there are time things in there as well which mess oh, things yeah, up. So. Yeah, I can't even. Yeah, I can't even get started on that. Just way <laughs> there's so many. Just the introduction of the character. And like the simplest question in the world, which you might ask when someone appears and makes that claim. Yes. That they never bothered to do. But hey, never mind. As I say, I'll be working through those relatively soon. I think the only reason I'm not recently is it's just because I've been having a bit of a headache over the past few days. I didn't really want to sit down and have that colour my mood while watching it. Yes, well, fair enough. But other than that, I'm working through Marvel's What If. I've always been a little bit behind. So I haven't watched last week's episode, which is What If Thor Was an Only Child? Yes. Which is an interesting title, yes. given what we know about Thor. But hey, yeah. we'll leave that there. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Marvel's What has been hit and miss. I knew way back when it was announced, I didn't think I'd be that that interested in it. And there's nothing that's really changed my mind on that. It has some interesting things and then some not so interesting. I liked the um, Death of the Avengers. Captain Carl was amazing, Mm -hmm. but the rest of them just didn't really move me. I think that's the interesting thing about that series is the Captain Carter one, I enjoyed the characterization of it, but I felt the storytelling was a little bit sort of jumbled and a bit rushed. I preferred the second one, which was the T'Challa becoming Star-Lord one. I didn't like that one at all. Yeah, I remember you saying that last time. Then it was the third one, which was the what if the world loses its mightiest heroes. That was the one where the Avengers went. I quite enjoyed that one. I really liked the Doctor Strange one. I thought that was quite good. Doctor Strange loses his heart instead of his hands. Then the What If Zombie episode, which was great fun. I enjoyed that. There was the Killmonger rescuing Tony Stark. Yeah, that's the latest one I've seen, so that was quite an interesting one. Yeah, interesting one. Not one of the better ones, I don't think, but, you know, interesting that one. I really enjoyed the Thor one this week. I mean, it is basically What If essentially the the premise of it that Odin didn't keep Loki and he handed him back to the Frost Giants instead. That's the setup for it. But it's a fun, fun episode that. They're playing around with it quite a lot and uh, I really, really enjoyed that. It's one of the more fun episodes of that rather than sort of trying to take a dark, serious route with it. They really play around with the fun in it. Really enjoyed that episode. So uh, I like the fact that there is a sort of difference between tonally they can be quite different. You know, some of them can be quite dark. Some of them can be quite fun. There is a, a nice sort of layered change between each of the uh, different episodes. So I have really been enjoying that. That's That's been really good for me. Okay. And the other thing I've been watching is Only Murder in the Building. Yes. It's very interesting. It's pretty, it's pretty out there. Pretty wacky in places, but it's, it's a lot of fun. I've just been working my way through that. I think maybe an episode behind. So there may be one episode out this week. It's an interesting thing to see Marge 
Shaw, Steve Martin, and Selena Gomez. Yes. That's a interesting grouping, but it seems to work. I was here watching and looking forward to each week. It is an interesting setup with the three of them, because, I mean, Steve Martin and Martin Shaw, yes, you've seen them together before. They work really, really well. Selena Gomez is sort of the outsider of the group, so I think that's sort of why it works. She's the outsider of the group in terms of being on the show, and also her character is very much the sort of outside character. So the three of them together, I think, work really, really well. They, I mean, if you haven't seen Only Murders in the Building, it's on Disney Plus, and it is essentially about three people who live in the same building. There is a death in the building. The police rule it a suicide. They're all obsessed with the true crime podcast and are convinced that it isn't a suicide, it's a murder, and start making their own true crime podcast and investigating it, what they think is a murder in the building. I think they've done a wonderful job with it. It is really good fun. It was created by Steve Martin and a guy called John Hoffman as well. They've done a really good job putting that show together. It has already been renewed for a second season, so I'll be sort of interested to see what they end up doing with that because presumably they'll have to have another death in the building or another murder. So we'll have to see where that goes. But it's been really good so far. I am an episode behind as well, I think, about halfway through at the moment. I'm really enjoying that show. I think it's fun and it's you know 30 minute sort of episodes and runs along quite nicely I think that show definitely worth a watch yep so that's all I've been getting up to this week for me I've been watching Departure the TV series I think it runs on Peacock in the US it's actually a Canadian show so it has run on Universal TV in the UK before that channel was shut down and now Alibi are running it Departure is a series set in the Fictional Transport Safety and Investigations Bureau in London. A plane goes down over the Atlantic. They're trying to find out what's happened to it. We as a viewer know what happened to it because we actually sort of see the side of the plane get blown up. So we know that there has been some sort of terrorist incident or some sort of reason for that plane getting blown up. But they are working through it and trying to sort of figure out what happened from this point on the ground. It's got Archie Punjabi in it, who is the sort of lead investigator. Christopher Plummer is in it playing her boss. So those are the kind of two of the main characters for it. I've only seen the first episode so far, but I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it's quite gripping, compelling series. It's been renewed for a second season as well, which presumably will deal with a different flight. But it's really on Alibi Weekly. So uh, one to look up for, though, it's uh, called Departure. I also caught Mr. Mayor this week, which I've seen the first episode of. Mr. Mayor is from Tina Fey and Robert Carlock, who are the people behind 30 Rock, and it stars Ted Danson. And the basic premise for it is uh, Ted Danson is a wealthy businessman who runs and wins being mayor of Los Angeles. But the reason he's running are far more in his self-interest rather than actually running because he has any real political ambition. So once he actually wins, he then has to work out exactly what he stands for. And, you know, he's also dealing with a teenage daughter who is running for class president of her local school. And uh, one of the opening sort of 
things is the fact that he goes up and makes some comment about banning plastic straws, which is something that his daughter is trying to do at the cafeteria. So it ends up with this argument between the two of them, like he's stolen his daughter's idea, you know. So um, there's lovely little things like that in it. It very much feels like a show from the creators of 30 Rock. I mean, it's got that same sort of silly humor in it as well. So some of the things like the previous mayor had resigned because of all sorts of ridiculous things had gone wrong with LA. So it's got that sort of heightened silliness to it, which I think was very much what you got in 30 Rock. So there's those sort of characters in there. It's Ted Danson and Holly Hunter are the two leads. It's got Bobby Moynihan in it as well, who plays this slightly slubby communications director. Really enjoyed the first episode of that. It's going out weekly, so I'm waiting for the rest of that to drop on um, Sky, but that's going out on Sky Comedy right now. Never mind the Buzzcocks came back this week as well. Um, mm-hmm. Have you watched any of that? Or did you watch Maybe. the original? Yes, yes, I did watch the original. It's Greg Davis hosting it. It's Noel Fielding as one of the team captains who was on the original show as well. But he's like the only real connection back to the original show. But it works really, really well. I thought it was hilariously funny. It's got the same kind of anarchic feel that the original series had. It's quite acerbic in places. You know, they are poking fun at each other and stupid jokes at sort of the expense of the guests and that sort of thing. That sort of stuff is all still in there, which is very much part of what the original show was. There was a lot of concern when this was announced about the fact that, you know, you've not got Mark Lamar or Simon Anstall, who were very, very cutting in there. Yes, that is true. It's not quite as harsh as maybe it was on the original show, but still incredibly funny. And a lot of the old rounds are back, you know, with the sort of lineups of all that sort of thing. It works really, really well, though. If you like the original show, I think you'll be satisfied enough with this new version. And that's going out on Sky Max Weekly. So uh, worth catching up with that. Over on Disney Plus, I've caught the first episode episode of Why the Last Man as well. There have been a lot of first episodes this week. Why the Last Man, do you know the comic book for this? I don't know whether you've read the comic book for it. No, I've never read the comic book, but I follow the development of the show, so I do know a little bit about it. Yeah, for those of you who don't know the show, it is set in a sort of post-apocalyptic world, and the basic premise for it is there is this cataclysmic event which simultaneously kills every mammal with a Y chromosome, so that's basically every male on the planet except for one man a guy called Yorick Brown and his pet monkey who is called Ampersand and the series basically follows Yorick as he sort of is trying to navigate as basically the only man left alive in this new world this new society is led by his mother who default landed the role of US president because she was a senator and everybody else above her was males so they all died and she ended up being president I have read the comic books. There are a few differences in there, but it's still a pretty good adaptation of the book. I've only watched the first episode so far. There are three up on Disney Plus right now. The first episode, it's kind of hard to judge what the whole series is going to be like because the first episode is actually titled The Day Before. So as you would expect, um, Mm -hmm. it, it really doesn't tell you an awful lot about what story is moving forward. You get a little glimpse of Yorick in the sort of post apocalyptic world, but 
the rest of the episode then jumps back to the day before it actually happens and you see what actually happened with the event. But it's quite a nice way of introducing various characters, which presumably are then going to, well, none of the males, obviously, but the female characters who are then going to pop up later on in the series. So it introduces his mother, it introduces his sister, a couple of other people in there as well, like a, a sort of undercover secret service agent called Agent 355 and Yorick's girlfriend as well. There's sort of this interesting group of people and you sort of see them before everything basically falls apart. I really like where they started off with this. I can't really judge it, like I say, too much because you don't really get an impression of where the rest of the series going from that first episode because the first episode takes place before the apocalypse. So I will be watching the rest of that and I will have some more thoughts on that later. Have you watched any of the Star Wars Visions episodes? No, I haven't. I've seen the first two of those. These are short anime films. They're based in the Star Wars world, but they were just handed over to a bunch of the world's best anime creators and just sort of said, here you are, do something. I've seen the first two episodes. The first one is called The Jewel. It is set in this feudal Japan slash feudal Jedi kind of era. So there is a lone wanderer who uh, is in this village and sees this bunch of stormtroopers show up with a Sith Lord and a jewel ensues. That's beautifully animated and a really, really nice style. And then the second episode is called Tatooine Rhapsody, which is... about a group of people who form this band and one of the members of the band is a hut and he gets hunted down by Boba Fett and it's sort of where it goes from there. So they're very kind of different. The first one's mainly black and white, sort of almost hand-drawn anime style. The second one is what you would think of as maybe more kind of traditional modern anime style. They're only about 15 minutes long as well, so they are like very short films but I really enjoyed the first two they're just really intriguing kind of take on the whole Star Wars world so uh, I've, I've been kind of enjoying those I will go watch some more of the rest of those this week and the other thing I caught the first episode of was Foundation which is this epic new Apple TV Plus series based on the Isaac Asimov novels, which I don't really know the Isaac Asimov novels myself at all. I don't know. Have you read any of those? No, I haven't. For the closest I've probably come is like used to have a few of those that were adapted for radio back in the day. Right. Back in like 1940s, real-time radios. This is the thing I'm most interested in hearing about radio, see what it's worth jumping into. I would say, yes, it is. It looks absolutely spectacular. I don't know how much money they spent on it, but it's a masterclass in world building, that first episode, because it sets everything up because it's a huge, complex world, and they do an incredibly good job of telling you how things are set up, who controls what. It's very well structured and put together. Despite being incredibly dense, it manages to hold itself together and explain what this universe is and how all the pieces fit together as well as advancing the plot at the same time. The basic premise for it, it's a saga set over thousands of years and where you kind of really jump into the story is 
with a character played by Jared Harris called Harry Seldon, who is a mathematician and the developer of something called Psychohistory, which is a scientific algorithm that allows him to predict future events. And he predicts the fall of the Galactic Empire, basically, which is run by three different clones of Cleon I, who was the original sort of emperor, and the main middle clone called Brother Day, and that one's played by Lee Pace, and then there is an older one and a younger one as well, and the three of them sort of rule together. Obviously, when Harry Seldon, Jared Harris's character, predicts that the Empire is going to fall within the next sort of 500 years, they're not very happy with that, and they want somebody to try and prove him wrong. And they engineer getting this young girl called Gal Dornick to come to the planet and try and convince her to prove that the math that he's come up with is incorrect. It's a sort of very interesting concept for it because he's basically saying the Galactic Empire is going to die. There is nothing we can do about it. But what we can do is maybe soften the blow. It's basically his argument and uh, obviously this has not gone down well out in the public so that's sort of where you leave it at the end of the first episode as I say, I don't know the books particularly well, but I thought it was brilliantly well put together. It's an interesting cast of characters. There is a little bit set sort of 35 years in the future as well, which you're introduced to at the start and then it sort of bookends the episode. That So I'm not sure where the show is going to spend most of its time, whether it is going to be jumping backwards and forwards between these two time periods. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to actually be structured but uh, I've only seen the first episode so far. So, But I was very, very impressed with that opening episode. There are two episodes up, I think, at the moment, and then it's going out every Friday on Apple TV+. Plus. If you bought a new Apple product, I think you have access to Apple TV+, Plus, and uh, it, it's only like $5.99 a month anyway. It's not like a huge amount of money, and there's a lot of really good stuff on there. This is a really, really interesting series. It's certainly got my attention. I will be going back and watching some more of this. So that's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So we kick off the TV and film news with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. There are two shows cancelled. The first one is a series called Hit and Run, which has been cancelled on Netflix, which was apparently a geopolitical espionage thriller. I'd never heard of it. I don't know whether this is one you stumbled across at all, but it's not what I do. I heard it. I saw a lot of ads for it. I've definitely seen it pop up, but I, yeah, I never decided to check it out. Yes, which appears to have been the problem because neither did anybody else by the sides of it. But uh, yeah, so that's been cancelled after one season. 
The other show is, uh, well, not cancelled, ending. Derry Girls is going to come to an end with the third season, which is, is a planned end, so it will wrap up whatever the stories are. I mean, the creator has basically said it was designed to work throughout a particular period of the Troubles, and that's what he wanted to do was three seasons. So that's what it's going to be. But it is coming back for one more season, but that will be the last season of it. Moving on to renewals, BBC has revived the award-winning drama Waterloo Road for a new season, which, I mean, that ran for a ridiculous number of seasons. It is now going to come back for one more. I I think sort of almost in name only by the sounds of it, because obviously it's based around a school, so all the teachers are going to be different, I think. And I mean, you might have some people cross over, but it's going to be a very different sort of thing. But that is coming back for a new season, they have said. The other two has been renewed for a third season at HBO Max. E4, I think ran the first season of that in 2019 and then it's never been seen again so i don't know whether i think maybe comedy central possibly i don't know ran it i'm not sure but um that's the other two that's coming back for a third season on hbo max in the u.s Uh, who knows what'll happen over here Rugrats, the revival series, has been renewed for a second season on Paramount Plus, which, of course, we haven't had yet, I don't think, but we are getting Paramount Plus, so presumably that will appear. And Virgin River has been renewed for seasons four and five on Netflix. So if you're a fan of that show, that's going to be around for a few more seasons yet. There was a little bit of news that popped up, which isn't a a guaranteed sort of return, but I thought was quite interesting. Babylon 5, (laughs) Randomly, they have announced today that J. Michael Straczynski, who was the person that was behind it originally Mm. uh, and was the original creator of the show, is working on a reboot of it for the CW. The CW? Yeah. That's interesting. This is not a continuation. It is not a spin-off. It is a from-the-ground-up complete reboot of the show. So, yeah. So Because usually with this sort of thing, they go, okay, well, we'll set it like 50 years in the future or whatever. But no, they are completely rebooting it, apparently, for this. So the reboot would again evolve around John Sheridan, who was played by uh, Bruce Boxleitner in the original series, an Earth Force officer with a mysterious background who is assigned to Babylon 5, a five-mile-long space station in neutral space, a port of call for travellers, smugglers, corporate explorers, and alien diplomats at the time of an easy peace and a constant threat of war. His arrival triggers a destiny beyond anything he could have imagined as an exploratory Earth company accidentally triggers a conflict with a civilization a million years ahead of us, putting Sheridan and the rest of the Babylon 5 crew in the line of fire as the last best hope for survival of the human race. I mean, essentially, that is what the original series kind of was. So it it is just a complete reboot of the original show, which is sort Mm. of an interesting way to do it. Because like I say, most of the time when they announce this sort of stuff, it's usually some sort of continuation. But but I can see the appeal of that. Mm -hmm. And I can see how easy that would be to sort of like generate interest to see who it is who will be playing your favourite character if you're doing that. Yeah. I wonder about the budgetary constraints, sir. Yes. I mean, that is a bit of a worry given that it is the CW you know and its network and but then I mean they managed to do an awful lot even with the original show which ran on a kind of shoestring budget as well so yeah but I think yeah but that was then and the comparisons for what else was being made on TV sci-fi there wasn't that much Mm, and there wasn't that there wasn't that gaping more of a distance between that and say there wasn't an expanse running around destroying special effects 
Yeah, it's an interesting one and it's an interesting place to develop it for. Who knows whether that will actually see the light of day, but it is apparently in the works right now. So we'll see whether it actually uh, comes to anything. There was a a whole bunch of other renewals and things that were announced this week for the uh, Netflix To Dum event, which was a sort of three-hour, four-hour live stream that they did Mm. on Saturday. Did you watch any of that? I did. I think I was out, unfortunately. It was just crazy, crazy fast because it wasn't like huge panels or anything. It was like five minutes with sort of one actor, five minutes with another actor. Look, here's a clip. Here's something that's been renewed. I mean, it was just... it ripped through it at an incredible pace. The basic highlights from it, Sex Education renewed for a fourth season. That's no great surprise because it has been a huge hit for the service, so that will be back. Vikings Valhalla, the upcoming sequel to the History Channel's Viking Saga from Michael Hurst again. They gave a first look trailer for that, which is up on the website. You can go and check. And they've said that is coming in 2022. There's also a first look trailer for Bridgerton Season 2, which is coming in 2022, and a first look for Ozark, which is coming in 2022. That's got an expanded fourth and final season, which is 14 episodes split into two halves of seven. They released a first look for The Sandman. So you got the first look at that. Uh, They didn't put a date on that, which I thought was kind of interesting because everything else they said, these are coming in 2022. So it does make me wonder whether The Sandman might be a little bit later than that, but we'll see. There was a new teaser for season four of Stranger Things, which they've also said is coming in 2022. They gave a premiere date and some clips for Cobra Kai season four that is going to be premiering on the 31st of December they've said so uh, they're dropping that over the holiday period and they gave a date for Tiger King season two that's coming on the 17th of November and then they ended with The Witcher, which, as well as saying it's been renewed for a third season, they've also said they're expanding it again because we've got The Witcher Blood Origin coming, which is this sort of prequel series. That's a live action thing. They've got another anime film coming because they did that other anime film, which was about Vesemir. So they've got another anime film they're making. And intriguingly, a kid and family series set in the world of The Witcher, which is bizarre because that does doesn't seem to fit for me. I don't know exactly how you do that, but apparently there is a sort of what they're calling a child and family series coming. Yeah, you say that though, but you've got Walking Dead with a YA-based spin-off. You've got Prince of Star Wars runs like kid stories on their books and things. It's not as like as weird as you think. Yeah, but YA is one thing. It's the sort of child and family. I don't know. I mean, it was the way it was phrased as if they'd said we've got a YA series coming, I'd be like, okay, fair enough. But it was the way that they sort of I mean I I guess I suppose if you're going for that sort of Doctor Who level audience maybe because that's technically a family show but mm-hmm. I don't know I it just struck me as slightly odd but uh, they did put a trailer up for the second season and there are a couple of clips up on the website as well for The Witcher so all that's up on the website if you want to go and look at it so thought that was a little interesting uh, they haven't announced any more about what the anime film is going to be or what this family series is either so we don't know any more about it other than they are making them. 
In terms of, sort of pickups and other news, one of the things somebody seemed to have spotted that um, Disney Plus seemed to be reducing the star branding. I don't know whether you'd notice this, but the star brand seems to have sort of slowly been dropping off their promotional things. I think because it's confusing people. And I know I've had conversations with people about the difference between stars, the network in the US, stars play in the UK and star on Disney Plus. Maybe this is just confusing people possibly, but they seem to be like when they've been releasing publicity shots for The Walking Dead on Star, they've stopped using the Star branding and start using the Disney Plus branding instead. And they seem to have done that on a number of other things. They've been sort of saying coming to Disney Plus rather than coming to Star on Disney Plus. So it's still there as a thing on the service, but I do wonder whether we're heading to a point where maybe they're going to sort of phase it out, having kind of spent all that money launching it, but or just have it as a sort of separate thing, but not really reference it. I don't know. But I thought that was kind of interesting. Thoughts? Well, Stars is more for the um, Asia market, because that's where it's most popular. Yes. So, yeah, I don't see there's anything wrong with regionalizing it. And once you go on the app itself, it still has them separated so that the, uh, the more adult stuff goes in star your disney stuff goes in disney and so on and so forth so it makes sense doesn't seem to sort of like have any big effect no i mean it's not going to change the content it's a branding thing but yeah i just thought it was kind of interesting i do think it was weird that they went with star instead of going with hulu i mean i understand that star is bigger much bigger in the asian markets so maybe it made more sense over there but the rest of the world i think the problem with going with hulu is we'd have another one those things so it's all very good calling it Hulu but when you start looking at around the world it's only got like a tenth of what American Hulu has yeah maybe it's probably not the best yeah, maybe that's true as well. One of the bit of news in terms of uh, things moving around and talking of stars play and stars, Outlander, which has in the UK up until now been running on Amazon, is going to move across to stars play UK later this year. They haven't said exactly when yet, but it is moving across onto stars play instead. Stars, of course, is the network that run it in America. Um, it is actually made by Sony TV, so that is an outside thing. It's not directly made by stars but it seems either Amazon decided they didn't want to pick it up anymore which seems unlikely or Stars just outbid them for it internationally but it is moving to Stars Play which means that you will need a Stars Play subscription to be able to watch the new seasons of Outlander presumably that means the old seasons will be coming up with Amazon as well so uh, unfortunate for Outlander fans but that is going to be the case that you are going to need a Stars Play subscription you can either get it as an add-on channel for Amazon Amazon, or you can get it directly via the Start Play UK app. Go to startplay.co.uk. You can find out sort of all the places you can get it on there. But um, yeah, that's another five ninety nine for another streaming service, which kind of sucks. But that's the way the world is these days, unfortunately. Sticking with streaming services, uh, Netflix have made quite a large acquisition. They've bought Ooh. the entirety of the iconic Roald Dahl Story Company. Now, we were told, I think, 2018, that Netflix and the Roald Dahl Story Company had done a deal where they'd licensed basically the entire catalogue. So they were already making things like an animated thing based on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which was from Takita Wahiti and Phil Johnson. 
They're also working on a adaptation of Matilda the Musical as well. So we already knew they were coming, but now they've basically said, we've now done a deal to just buy the whole company. So all the Roald Dahl books, everything are now owned by Netflix. And the Roald Dahl Story Company essentially becomes a division of Netflix in the same way that Miller World is a division of Netflix. And it's one of those things that when they announced it, I kind of looked at it and go, this is probably fine, but it doesn't feel right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I don't know whether you had any thoughts on it. Does it feel like when an American company buys a UK chocolate brand? Yes, what- it does. It does. It sort of feels like Netflix just bought part of your childhood as well. It, yeah. It's just the way the company's set up is run by Luke Kelly, who is Roldar's grandson, and he's still going to be there. So the company structure isn't going to be any different. It's basically just going to be a division of Netflix, which okay. I think is what they did with Miller World as well. I mean, Mark Miller, I think, still runs Miller World, but it is a division of Netflix. Mm. It just means that the, some of the profits will end up going back to Netflix, presumably, now they yeah. own it. But like I say, I don't think they're going to do anything particularly horrid or evil to it. I just It just doesn't feel right. But, you know, yeah, it's an interesting one. I, and we don't know how much they paid out for it either. All we do know is that um, the Roald Dahl Story Company made about 26 million in 2019, which was their last accounts. So presumably it was quite a lot more than 26 million they paid for it. But who knows? They have also said that as on top of the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory from Takita Wahiti and Matilda the Musical, there are 19 other TV shows, films, stage shows, and other live experiences already in the works based on various Roald Dahl properties. So if you like Roald Dahl, there is going to be a lot of stuff kicking around for you to watch. Interesting. I wonder when Netflix are going to announce their theme parks. Yeah, you are almost getting to a stage where you can kind of do that, aren't you, really? They've got enough things kicking around these days that you could probably get away with, a, a, you know, at least one somewhere in the US, maybe. Moving on to other adaptations, Showtime have ordered a Let the Right One In vampire series. They've given a series order to the drama. It's inspired by the original Swedish novel and the film of the same name. If you don't know the story, it centers on Mark and his daughter, Eleanor, whose lives were changed forever 10 years earlier when she was turned into a vampire. Locked in at age 12, perhaps forever, Eleanor lives a closed-in life, able only to go out at night while her father does his best to provide her with the human blood she needs to stay alive. With these emotionally charged and telephone ingredients as a starting point, the series will upend genre expectations, turning a naturalistic lens on human frailty, strength and compassion. That's the setup for it. There is a bit of casting as well. Oscar nominee Demi Bashir is taking the lead as Mark, who is in the bridge and weeds Madison Taylor Bass who was in Selena the series is playing Eleanor it's also going to have Anika Nancy Rose from Dreamgirls and Power Grace Gummer from Mr. Robot Kevin Carroll from Snowfall Ian Foreman from Merry Wishmas and Jacob Buster from Colony in it as well Andrew Hinderaker is writer and producer of it he's an award winning playwright he also wrote on Penny Dreadful and Away he wrote the pilot and serves as showrunner. Sadith Mann, who worked on Homeland and Blind Spotting, directs the pilot and additional episodes as well. And it's from Tomorrow Studios, who are the people behind the upcoming Cowboy Bebop series and Snowpiercer. So, sort of interesting 
group of people behind it. I think there was already one US remake of the Let the Right One In, but um, and at least one, at least one. Yes. Have you seen any of the versions of this? Because I don't know whether I've ever actually. I have not. It's it's strange that, but yeah, because I can remember original film coming out and being huge as a horror film movie. It really sort of stuck into zeitgeist of the day, and then the sort of like the howls from the critics when the Americans decided to remake it. Yes, I remember them being up in arms about the American remake at the time because there was a lot of love for the uh, for the Swedish version. Speaking of remakes and revivals, we're we're back to another one. Teen Wolf has got a revival movie incoming so for weird. Paramount Plus. So uh, it's not been off the air that long, Teen Wolf, but it has got no. a revival movie coming back, which basically plans to get the original cast back together. The Teen Wolf revival movie sees a full moon rise in Beacon Hills, and with it, a terrifying evil has emerged. The wolves are howling once again, calling for the return of Banshees, Weircoats, Hellhounds, Kitsunes and every other shapeshifter of the night but only a werewolf like Scott McCall Tyler Posey no longer a teenager yet still an alpha can gather both new allies and reunite trusted friends to fight against what could be the most powerful and deadly enemy they've ever faced so the only person mentioned in the press release was Scott McCall they are talking mm. to other members of the cast but I think they're going to struggle yeah. I think that T-Wolf was like one of the most amazing shows that came out of nowhere where and had one of the most early rabid fan bases out there. I can remember it, one of the first sort of TV shows that I remember headlining Comic Con here in the UK. Mm-hmm. So MCM Comic Con, I can remember them, them bringing down the um, cast, maybe about four or five of them, but taking a more realistic look, Team Wolf had a horrible record for how it treated its female cast. Right. Um, obviously not talking about sort of Me Too, but it's more about characterization right. and just sort of throwing them away right. at the end of things. So I would be stunned if they could talk about most of their female cast, to be honest. That would be interesting because I watched a few seasons of it. I think I dropped out before the last couple of seasons, but I never kind of got to the end of it. But I know the female lead didn't make it to the end of the run did she I think she came oh. back at the end but yeah she dropped out at one point oh no she was killed so yeah, oh, okay oh they killed her off did they okay there you go um, so I, I don't know I, I mean there is a fan base out there for it so I'm sure there oh, will yeah, be I think, yeah there's a fan base but, but I think sort of like the biggest star of this is obviously Dylan O'Brien mm-hmm. far and away and I'd be impressed if they could bring him back followed by Tyler Hecklin you might know as Superman yes uh, but yeah I think they're probably going to struggle to get these people people back i mean it's not like they want them back for a like a, a series it is only a movie maybe mm. they'll manage it tyler might be a problem because of the fact that superman you know and yeah, the film is intense especially like as it's only the first two seasons he probably wants his off time to be his off time yeah yeah i just didn't like how they treated their things and that's, that sort of came from a time when i probably didn't pay as much attention to how tv worked and so I can look back at now and go, oh, yeah, they treated those as, in terms of their characters, awfully. Right, yeah. Well, that'll be interesting because, as I say, Scott McCall was the only character mentioned. And mm. so presumably that means they've got Tyler Posey on board, although Tyler yeah. Posey wasn't mentioned by name in the press release. They just mentioned Scott McCall. 
So you would assume that they've managed to sign him already, but yeah, also... well, they could they could recast it. No, that's not going to work. Who would deal with those riots? Yes, exactly. So there's actually three shows coming to Paramount Plus. There's the Team Wolf movie. There's two other things as well because it's Jeff Davis who was showrunner and developer of the Team Wolf series. He basically has signed an overall deal with MTV Entertainment Studios that are owned by Viacom CBS, who also own Paramount Plus. So that's why all this is going on to Paramount Plus. The actual series that he's also doing is called Wolfpack. It's based on a book series. It follows a teenage boy and girl whose lives are changed forever when a California wildfire awakens a terrifying supernatural creature and drives it to attack a highway traffic jam beneath the burning hills. Winded in the chaos, the boy and girl are inexplicably drawn to each other and to two other teenagers who were adopted 16 years earlier by a park ranger after another mysterious wildfire. As the full moon rises, the four teens come together to unravel the secret that connects them the bite and blood of a werewolf so it's another werewolf series basically he's doing called Wolfpack based on a different set of books there's that coming as well and he's going to be showrunner on that and he's also going to be taking charge of the Aeon Flux series which had already been announced but he's going to be showrunner on the pilot for that so this is a reimagined live action series set in the post-apocalyptic near future where countries no longer exist, reduced to a Spartan-like city-states locked in a perpetual war where children are turned into lethal soldiers and every citizen carries a gun. One young woman rises up to rebel against her Orwellian government as she becomes known as Aeon Flux. Gail Ann Hurd serves as the exec producer for Valhalla Entertainment on that. Gail Ann Hurd's one of the walking dead people, I think, if I remember that name correctly. But yeah, he's going to be serving as a showrunner on the and director, I think, on the pilot of that. Interesting selection of things for Paramount Plus. They have announced that their series have been ordered, so presumably they'll turn up at some point. And the last news, and probably the biggest announcement, certainly in the UK we got this week, mm-hmm. Russell T. Davis is returning to Doctor Who as showrunner, which... I mean, it seems somewhat fitting, given that it was the show that he basically revived in 2005. It's got its 60th anniversary coming up in 2023, and he will take over in 2023. So he will be there for the 60th anniversary. We already knew that Jodie Whittaker and Chris Chibnall were both going to be leaving in 2022. So um, Chris gets to hand the baton back over to Russell T. Davis, which I'm quite looking forward to. You know, I, I don't think it's ever quite found somebody that understood the show as well as Russell T. Davis did. No, he wasn't always perfect, but I think he certainly had a better handle as a showrunner than anybody else that has taken over the reins since. You know, I love Stephen Moffat's writing, but I don't think he was a very good showrunner. And I mean, Chris Chibnall's done some great stuff and I thought Jodie's second season was much better than her first, but he really stumbled through that first season on it. So I'm very excited to see Russell come back. Now he's got some other things out of his system that, you know, he wanted to do. And I mean, things like It's a Sin and Years and Years, both of which were utter masterpieces. It'd be interesting to see him return to this and maybe bring some sort of darker storylines back. And I'm really intrigued to see where this goes. 
as well as Russell T. Davis, they're also bringing on Bad Wolf as the co-producers with BBC Studios. Bad Wolf was the studio set up by the ex-Who producers, Jane Trainter and Julie Gardner, who left at the same time that Russell T. Davis did and they set up their own production company. And they've been responsible for things like The Night of His Dark Materials, Discovery of Witches, Industry and I Hate Susie. So they've had a pretty solid run on their own, but they're coming on back as co-producers now so it's basically the original team that are coming back together for the 60th anniversary and beyond presumably as well what are your thoughts on this i think it'll be a good thing i think the fans seem to love it so who am i who hasn't really been watching doctor in a while to argue about it so i'm obviously interested to see who will be the next person to jump into the doctor so to speak but yeah i think it's good i hope the bbc support it Yes. yes. Yeah. I mean, there were a number of people that did make the point that, oh, well, this probably screws up any chance of Chris Eccleston ever coming back for the 60th anniversary now, because Chris Eccleston has started to get back involved with some of the Doctor Who stuff. But it was this production team that he had the issue with that made him quit in the first place. I'm not saying it was Russell T. Davis directly, but it was this group that were mm. in control of it back then and he had the issue with. So, I mean, we don't know what they're going to do for the 60th anniversary, but you would assume that there'd be some sort of multiple Doctor thing in there. And if that was going to be the case, that makes it probably less likely that Chris Eccleston will make an appearance, which would be a shame because he is starting to deal with his issues with Doctor Who and coming back to it. But in terms of the Doctor, obviously, we still don't know. Um, just I looked up the bookies' favourites for it. The favourite at the moment is Ollie Alexander, who was the lead in It's a Sin. He's at two to one at the moment, which kind of makes sense. I mean, he was already the lead and now they've announced Russell T. Davis. I think he'd be good. I think he's possibly a little young for it, but, you know, he's the one that's at the top of the list. Chris Marshall, who has been on this list multiple times, but he's at 11 to two. Lenny Henry at six to one. Michaela Cole at eight to one interestingly paul mcgann at 10 to one and michael sheen at 12 to one i mean the interesting thing of having paul mcgann in there is paul mcgann has already been the doctor in arguably the longest running doctor because he was the doctor from when it was off air and he basically kept the entire thing alive through doing audio dramas so i mean he's only ever had like basically one movie and a little kind of coda thing it's the only time he's ever been seen on screen so I would love to see a series and I've said before I'd be very happy to see a series of his adventures maybe running alongside a new Doctor so introduce a new Doctor by all means but I would love them to give Paul McGann his own series that would be great but it's weird that he happens to be in this list at 10 to 1 for some reason Michael Sheen is the other one as well at 12 to 1 who would be amazing because Michael Sheen is amazing and everything although if they did do that they would have to make the announcement doing an episode of stay with him telling David Tennant and David Tennant kind of trying to be very happy about it and obviously not really being happy about it but with like failing to hide it really <laughs> something like that would be really hilarious I think Michael Sheen is probably unlikely I mean not impossible but we'll see they're never usually right this far out because we still have no idea Jodie's got another season to do she's going to be back this Christmas and next year so Jodie and Chris have got one more final 
the season and then Russell T Davis will take over it'll be interesting anybody particular you'd like to see in the role no I'm, I'm too far away from it now I think okay. to sort of get, get an idea of it like I say Ali Alexander was brilliant in It's a Sin and he's got that sort of mania that I think works quite well as a doctor I just think he's maybe a little bit young at the moment plus the fact that he's recently gone back to doing his music again and the Doctor Who gig is a very very intense gig so mm-hmm. you'd have to convince him to, you know it's not like he could do a little bit of acting and do a bit of Doctor Who and yeah. then go on the road you know you're just not going to be able to do that so he would have to stop doing the music to focus on doing this if he was given the role so I don't know that's what makes me think maybe he wouldn't take it but yeah I don't know I don't see Lenny Henry doing it Chris Marshall always comes up in these lists so like I say I'm I would love to see Paul McGann back, but we'll see. So that's all the news we've got for this week. We've just got some highlights for next week on TV coming up next. Highlights for next week. We have Hitmen Reloaded, which is the second season of Hitmen, the Sue Perkins and Mel Giltreach comedy that is coming to Sky Comedy on the 29th of September at 9pm. The Gadget Show returns for its 34th season on Channel 5. That's on 29th of September at 7pm. The Great North, which is a new animated series set in Alaska from the people behind Bob's Burgers. That's coming to Disney Plus. That's on the 29th of September. The problem with Jon Stewart that lands on Apple TV Plus on the 30th of September, which is a a topical show with the great Jon Stewart back at the helm on TV, but that's on Apple TV Plus on the 30th. Riley Road, which is this new thriller set against the backdrop of a swinging 60s London set in the East End where far-right fascism is on the rise. That's coming to BBC One on the 3rd of October at 9pm. Saturday Night Live, the big US comedy show that is back on the 3rd of October at 9pm as well that's on Sky Comedy Miracle Workers Oregon Trail that show's been hilarious the first two seasons that is back on Sky Comedy for its third season which is on the 4th of October at 9pm and The Walking Dead World Beyond season 2 and the final season of that comes to Amazon Prime on the 4th of October which is the sort of YA Walking Dead series which uh, I quite enjoyed the first season of that so that's everything we have for this week if they want to find more of your stuff where can they find you they can find me on Hollywood News North Hollywood North News sorry <laughs> get your own website right HollywoodNorthNews.net indeed mostly we've been writing a bit about TIFF which is Toronto International Film Festival and as well as start to really get in gear for all the Canadian premieres which are pretty much the same as the American premieres so things like Legacies Return Turning that Robert Langdon show, which is set to come out soon. So who knows how that will work out and just things like that. So if you like stuff that comes out of Canada, so your Riverdales, your Arrowverse, your Titans and so much more, head over to ours and check it out. Yep, you can go and see all those shows that are made and produced in Canada over on HollywoodNorthNews.net for all of Daryl's stuff. For Matt, you can go to entertainmenttalk.org for lots and lots more podcasts 
and uh, as I say we are doing the Walking Dead main show over there at the moment I'm not entirely sure what we're doing about World Beyond but uh, the main show you can find over there goes out on Wednesdays and he's got lots of other things covering things like Ted Lasso and uh, Manchester United and loads of other podcasts over there and Bex you can find on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bytes that's B-Y-T-E-S and she's streaming daily with lots of fun stuff over on her channel and silliness and madness and retro gaming and things for us you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook and facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye bye Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.